All righty, guys. Welcome back to the Bait Tank Podcast. Today, we have a special one for you. One of my mentors growing up, uh, a guy that really got me into fishing and really put me where I'm at today, we have Captain Ben Alexander here from Baja. How you doing, Ben? Hey, thanks for having me, Drew. Of course. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to see you. Yeah. It's been look, a while. Look at you. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, man. Look at this. You got your own friggin' radio station or a podcast station. Your own. Uh, We've come a long way from, uh, you know, fishing on aluminum boats and, uh, you know, going over to Ben's house and trying to convince him to take us fishing. <laughs> that we have. That we have. Um, so a little backstory between Ben and I. Ben was an old neighbor of mine growing up. And uh, I was fortunate enough that he had a boat and he loved fishing, worked a fireman's schedule. So he had some time and we'd always go out fishing together when I was younger. Did a bunch of trips to Baja that we're going to get into. But right now we want to hear about, we want to hear about Ben. <laughs> How'd you get started? Tell us about yourself. How did I get started? Um, well, I had a very uh, unique childhood, I think. I grew up uh, born and raised in Huntington Beach. Uh, where, well, there's the Hyatt Resort there now, but back in the day when I was a kid, there was a, a trailer park, mo the Driftwood Mobile Home Park that had, uh, had a nine course, uh, or a nine hole golf course. It was right on the beach. So from the time I was in, you know, an infant, I was, I was on the beach. I, uh, the ocean was always a part of my life. So, um, you know, that was our playground. It was, it was not just a playground, but it was also a you know, we, it fed us as a family. I mean, back when I was a kid, uh, my dad had taught me how to go out and there used to be Pismo clams right in, right in front of, uh, like between Beach Boulevard and Huntington Street, right in front of our house. So in the, in the falls, we'd go out with pitchforks and, and uh, go out clamming and we'd have clam bakes or mom would make clam chowder. And um, if I wanted to fish, I mean, we, we, we didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't have any, you know, fishing rods and no, no rods or reels. It was, uh, it was all I could do to, to buy a, a drop line over at the thrifty drugstore there on beach in Atlanta. And I could go over to, you know, the Huntington beach pier and fish whenever I wanted. Um, you know, growing up in the seventies, it was a, it was a different, it was a different time. You know, the kids just, we pretty much ran wild. Yeah. Nothing, uh, there was, yeah, why well, we had rules, but you know, be back before the sun went down. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd spent, you know, many, many days going, walking down to the pier with a, with a drop line and a, a bucket and a screwdriver from dad's little shop. And I'd scrape off some muscles off the pilings and, uh, walk up onto the pier and, and go out and, you know, I'd catch mackerel for the most part, but <laughs> yeah, there was a couple of, I actually caught my first halibut off of the Huntington beach pier. Um, so yeah, a lot of that, a lot of, um, just having a, a, a great time growing up as I got a little older, got a bike, um, started riding, you know, down in Newport and, um, met a couple guys down there that were, uh, spearfishing. You know, they, I just saw them come out of the water from just one of those little break walls, like off around whatever 15th street or something. And, yeah. um, they had some decent sized fish on a, on a pole spear they'd gotten. I thought, well, that's, that's pretty cool. I gotta, I gotta see what that's all about. And, um, I don't know if it's still there, but Aquatic Center at Newport Beach, you know, it was PCH and Superior. 
um, was a scuba stop, a scuba shop. So I, I think it is, I, I don't It's probably changed hands and everything. Yeah. It's, it's right oh. next to the donut shop. I go to that donut shop yeah. for yeah. fishing. I used to go in there all the time when I was a kid and, and, you know, kind of, um, pick those guys brains about, you know, harvesting stuff from the ocean and, um, what was, what was available. I knew about the clams and I knew about like, you know, some fish and, and drop line fishing off the pier, but, uh, you know, not much else. Um, yeah, I did, I'm shocked they had the pier back then. I didn't even know they had power <laughs> tools or anything that could make that. <laughs> Abe Lincoln yeah. build that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that particular pier, I mean, the end of that anyway, uh, the end cafe used to be out there and I was actually out on the beach during that storm when the, when the end cafe met its demise and really, yeah, watched it fall into the ocean and wow. Um, we went and picked through all the debris that washed up on the beach thinking we'd find something, some buried treasure or something. But, um, How, yeah. so with the spear fishing, did that lead into lobster diving? Cause I know growing up you said do a lot of lobster diving. No, the lobster diving didn't come in until, um, when I was in high school, I played water polo swam and, uh, couple couple guys that we were on the team with or I was on the team with um we were big into body surfing the wedge and so on those big big south swells that wedge would be firing in the summertime and we'd go down after practice or before practice and uh we had our own little crew there in the 80s like, riding that <laughs> riding that break at the wedge and um uh, I remember when it was it had to have been September one year and the beach was covered with lobster molds and that, that was new to me I didn't I didn't even know we really had a, a lobster fishery at that time. Yeah. Um, so again, go back to uh, Aquatic Center, Newport Beach, and hey, what's you know what's up with the lobsters? And I said, oh, they're you know they're all over those breakwater or break walls. And um, so I ended up shortly thereafter ended up buying like a thirty dollar waterproof uh, flashlight, and I had my mask and fins, and so I went out at night, and lo and behold, there's lobsters all over the place out there, and. <laughs> You just had to go out at night when they were out crawling around and, yeah. you know, be brave enough to, to venture out in the dark ocean with a little flashlight and look for, and look for lobster. I would remember, you know, when you lived at that house near me, you'd bring back, you know, just this giant, here you are on the grass or in the front yard and just this giant bucket of lobster all <laughs> smacking on the grass and everything. I'm like, who is this guy? He's Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's how it started. I mean, it started, it wasn't, it was, uh, free diving and I actually, my mom loved lobster. So being the good little, uh, mama's boy, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that mom had her, her, uh, her pick at lobster. You know, she went, we weren't, again, we weren't, uh, we weren't a very rich family. We were actually very poor. Yeah. So if mom wanted lobster, dad, you know, I had to go get it. You know, we weren't, we couldn't go out to a restaurant, fancy restaurant and get, and get lobster for dinner. So, um, I made a point of, you know, it took me about three dives or, or, you know, go different nights of going out trying to catch these things before I actually caught my first one. And of course it was short, you know, but then, you know, I, I worked on it, worked on it. And I was just about every night I could, I'd be out in the ocean, uh, grabbing lobster, you know, whether it was the break wall at the wedge or, uh, Corona del Mar, um, when I got my driver's license, I'd opened up a whole other that was down, um, down diving in Laguna, um, from Laguna North. So just as much as I could be in the water, I wanted to be in the water. The ocean's always, you know, had a, I've always been drawn to the ocean. I wanted to be in it, on it, under it, 
you know, in my entire life. Yeah. Um, so that's how, you know, I, I guess I honed my skills grabbing lobsters along the Southern California coast as a, as a teenager. And that just kind of followed me into, um, later on as I got, I got scuba certified in the late eighties and that opened up a whole other world where now we're going to Catalina on, on, uh, dive boats and, you know, catching lobster over Catalina and learning, you know, what the underwater topography of Catalina Island look like, you know, so it's been lobster diving has been a big part of, you know, what I've, what I've done my entire life. And yeah. So when you were in high school, um, you were still fishing a lot, doing all that stuff. When did you kind of get like a, your first boat? Well, in high school, actually, it wasn't, I, I really wasn't fishing. It was more spearfishing. Yeah. Um, I hadn't, I hadn't really, I, uh, one of my neighbors had given me a rod and reel when I was young and I, I, I don't even, you know, brands or whatever. I don't even remember. Um, the spearfishing for me as a, as a young man was, was where it was at. Um, in the late eighties, I found a copy of a book at the sport chalet that was, had Terry Moss with this giant yellowfin tuna heat speared and, uh, Jay Rife was getting his spear company going down to Dana Point. Um, and I actually, the, the first real spear gun, I, I built it. You know, I went, went down to the lumber yard, got a, a scrap of teak and milled that thing down and laminated it and made a, made my own spear gun. Wow. And I used Jay Rife's uh, trigger mechanism that they sold at the scuba shop for the, for the trigger release. Yeah. Um, but it, for me, it was always about just harvesting what I, I'd go in the water with a spear gun. I'd find the fish that I wanted for dinner that night and I'd shoot that fish. Uh, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> the, uh, the rod and reel stuff. I, I, at the time, I guess I, I just looked at it. I was like, ah, it's, you know, you're not going to get the one you want or you may not get the one you want Yeah. where I can go in the water and take what I want for dinner. Um, uh, and I did that for many, many years was that that's kind of was what I was doing. So how did you get into, I don't want to jump up too fast, but when did you start going, uh, down to Mexico, down to Baja? Was that with your family? Yeah. Um, again, you know, being the ocean was part of, uh, part of us, not just me, but my whole family. And, you know, we lived on the beach, but then mom and dad used to always love to go down to, uh, just North of San Felipe in Baja. Uh, we are be right on the Sea of Cortez. Uh, there's still Pete's camp is still there, but kind of where if if you go down to Baja, if you know where the El Dorado Ranch is uh, now, uh, back in the day, back in the 70s, there was all these little camps along the beach, and it was just dry camping. And we had a, a 69 Dodge van with a pop top um, roof on it that had two bunk beds where my older brother and I slept and you know, my little sister and brother would sleep down below with my mom and dad or out in a tent. Um, and that for, for a kid, that was just an awesome place to go. Um, the shrimp boats would be out working and the, you know, sharks would get caught in their nets and whatever. And the guys would just like cut their heads off or whatever and throw them back in the ocean. You know, that's, that's what it was done back then. But, you know, my brother and I would be walking along the beach and here'd be this you know, 10 foot long hammerhead shark and, you know, <laughs> with or without a head, or we'd find a head and the jaws and, uh, you know, for little boys, that's just cool stuff to, to see. Heck yeah. Um, uh, mom would give us a bucket, you know, at low tide, we'd walk out and, and you can walk out for God, almost a mile Yeah. at low tide. And we'd pick up just bucketfuls of blue crab 
and you know she'd cook the crab salad or you know make us some type of you know crab for dinner or crab for lunch and uh, I, I remember my older brother Ken actually caught his first um, halibut there with his bare hands. No way. Where there's this, we we're walking by just this little, you get these little indentations in the sand and there was some water, you know, there and he looks down and there's a, a big ass halibut sitting yeah. there the, <laughs> and he just flipped that thing up onto the sand and it started, you know, flopping around and going crazy. And we threw that sucker in the bucket and had halibut <laughs> and crab for that, for dinner that night. So uh, yeah, we, we've been going to Baja since I was a baby. Was that a popular destination in the seventies? Like a lot of families would go down there or? Uh, well, I think that gets back to like my parents were, were the hippies. Okay. <laughs> so, um, they, there was kind of a, you know, they were still, that's how they ended up at Huntington was they came down from Northern California and, and got a trailer in Huntington and lived the hippie life there and on the beach. And, and I do remember a lot of that same crowd was, was down there in San Felipe. It was, you know, just. It's party time. Yeah. 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 It was different, different, different world, different time. Yeah, you get your Uncle Rico van and you take it down to Baja and camp yeah. on the beach. That sounds awesome. Exactly. I want to do that now. Exactly. <laughs> I had that Uncle Rico van in high school. I had it. I drove that '69 Dodge van to oh boy. high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I always remember growing up, and I even when I was younger, I went with you later on, but you'd just be like packing up for these week long or multiple week trips down to Baja. And how did it turn into that? Um, well, my dad was never comfortable going past San Felipe. Mm -hmm. In fact, the one time he tried, we got stuck. Oh no. He got the van, the van buried to the axles. We were South of the airport in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it was summer. It was hot, miserable. Um, and thank God some off-roaders came by, some motorcycle guys came by and, and helped us, you know, my dad didn't know you, if you air down the tires, Hey, you, you know, you can run better <laughs> on sand. And yeah. So they aired down the tires and they pulled the van out and, so after that, that was as far south as my dad would go. But I've always, and I always wanted to go further. Yeah. And excuse me, when I, uh, when I got a little older, got my own car, uh, it was probably, it was college years. Um, it, Baja just has a draw, you know, and I wanted to be there. I wanted to explore it. I wanted to see it. Um, it, it's still, it's still to this day, it's, they still call it the frontier. It yeah. is literally, uh, uh, there's nothing and nobody around or you, you can find those areas. If you, if you want the resorts, you can fly down to Cabo and, yeah, you know, do the all inclusive stuff. But that, that wasn't us. You know, we wanted to, we wanted to be in the frontier. We wanted to fish areas that aren't fished. We wanted to, uh, see stuff that isn't seen. And, um, so there was just that draw for, for me personally. Um, so as I got older, it's okay. You know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, for maybe a week back then was like the most you could get off, get off work. Yeah. But even that a week on those roads down there, you're not going to get far, you know? You're, yeah. What was the, what was that highway? I mean, now it's gorgeous. Like the five going down is nice, but what was it like back then? I mean, was it just, well, the, the one it's narrow. That's my biggest complaint. It's always been paid. Well, for, it hasn't always been paved, but since we've been going down there, um, in the eighties and nineties, it was, it was paved. Mm -hmm. Uh, the problem was they paved that road with the old American equipment that made 10 foot wide lanes. So you've got a 10 foot wide lane southbound and a 10 foot light lane northbound. And you get a, a semi truck hauling 
but coming northbound doing, you know, 60 miles an hour and you've got literally six inches, 12 inches between you and your rig going south. And, oh yeah. um, so yeah, the roads narrow, uh, no shoulders. There's really, I mean, you're hundreds of miles. There's nothing. There's no, no gas stations, no help. No, you have to be totally self-contained, self-sufficient. Um, back in the day you did. Yeah. It's better now. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of slow go, slow going. Um, you just had to take your time and be careful. But we've had we had many accidents down there. <laughs> been been a couple axles on a boat trailer one year. Uh, Boats have come completely d- disconnected. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kenny lost his boat out in the desert just north of Guerrero Negro one year. <laughs> Shout out to the con here. <laughs> I love you, Kenny. That he rallied for that though. I was. What happened with that? Did the, the hitch break? He had spent all this money, uh, and I won't even say the trailer company that fixed his trailer up. It was his first trip to Ba. He had a, I almost like a thirty foot bay runner type boat. It was big pimp mode. Yeah, big deep V. You know, lake boat. Um, and he had all this money put into his trailer. He was all excited to go down, and um, yeah, we were just north of Giro Negro, and in, he was behind us, and I caught in my rearview mirror i saw the boat come loose from his truck and head out into the we were southbound it went into the northbound lanes and then off the side of the roadbed out into the desert it looked like the boat was under power on on the water except the the (laughs) sand was coming up over the bow instead of a water wake and by the grace of god it it ended up just uh, the front of the trailer went into the roadbed and stopped the boat was still on the trailer it was still upright um, that could have been catastrophic. It could have been. Yeah. It could, could have been really bad. Especially uh, that stretch where there's, there's nothing, there's not much. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we st- took a look and, and figured out that the, the only thing that he hadn't done was he didn't tighten or poor Kenny didn't tighten the, the, um, the nut on his, on his ball, uh, on the hitch ball. So it just came yeah, loose. He did it hand tight and he said, okay, I got to go get the wrench and tighten that up. And then he just forgot about it. Um, so when we got to that point, that nut had just worked its way off and the boat popped off. Um, but that was all the, that was it. That was, it was just the ball. And so we didn't, I had a two inch ball, but he needed the two and five sixteenths. So, uh, you know, Mark Martinez and I, we jammed down to Giro Negro and we're hitting up every store we can find, you know, do you have a, you know, they all had two inch balls, Yeah. but it was like the last store we got to had a two and five sixteenths ball. We're like, all right, perfect. And so you guys just left him in the desert. Well, we left, we, I don't want to say left him. He had his crew. So there was yeah, okay. uh, three or four guys with him. Uh, and Mark and I had our boat. I think it was three vehicles at the time. So they, we left a, a lot of guys there. Uh, but it was just Mark and I that went down to Giro Negro, got the ball. Uh, we came back. And I'm, I'm still, when we left, I, I didn't know what to expect. What we were going to find when we get back. We got back. He'd already had the boat. They dug the, they dug it out. They put the the trailer on. They just tied it onto the bumper of their truck and moved <laughs> it down the desert about a half a mile to where they could get it back up onto the paved road. Wow. And they were just waiting for us to show up with the ball. So we showed up with the ball. They put that thing on, uh, torqued it down where it was supposed to be, <laughs> and we were back on the road. It was literally it was like a three hour delay. Was it? Yeah, oh, that's awesome. With with all of that, it would only cost us like three hours on the road. When I, when I told you that I was like, Hey, I want to tow my boat down when I was old enough to, uh, do it. You were like, make sure your trailer, you told me like, we're not stopping and waiting for you when you're 
20 year old tire flies off. So we literally had like six spare tires, you know, bearings, extra bearings, all this stuff just really overbuilt it because you don't want to get stuck out there. You know, that is a, you don't even want to be fixing stuff out there. Even if you have the parts, it's ideal to just go down and have no issues, obviously. Yeah. That I was always big about, you know, getting, getting everything done before you go down and get it. Uh, do your preventive maintenance, you know, and still, that still goes true. If you're going to pull a boat down there, make sure your bearings are, everything's got fresh grease. You've got, you know, at least two spares. Yeah. Um, we, I can rebuild an entire trailer with all the stuff I go down there with. I have the, yeah, the hernia box. Yeah. The extra (laughs) springs, the extra, uh, spindles, uh, races, anything. We can rebuild the trailer right there on the side of the road if we have to. And we don't want to, but, uh, you gotta be ready for that. Otherwise you can especially if you're just going down for a week or something and you ruin your whole trip because, you know, you didn't do your preventive maintenance or whatever. And Well, I remember when you called me, um, this was maybe two years ago when that rock slide came down and hit your truck on yeah. the five. Yeah. That was pretty wild. Yeah. I was that, like, man, that's crazy. That was, I've, I've, my whole life I'd seen the signs for falling rocks, you know, that you've got that big yellow <laughs> sign with the rocks, like falling rocks. Okay. <laughs> Those never fall. <laughs> yeah. And I was northbound from, uh, I'd taken a load down for the house we built down there in Bay of LA and I had the trailer connected and you know, the five, the highway five now south of Gonzaga Bay is, it's like a freeway here in Orange County. It's yeah. awesome. Um, but there was an area where they, they dynamited through the, through the mountains and, um, I just happened to be the unlucky one where I came around the corner and here's the rocks actually falling. I'm watching these rocks fall and I missed several of them, but one of the, one of the bigger boulders hit the rear, uh, passenger side tire of my, of my truck. I mean, broke the wheel, blew out the tire, uh, took out two of the trailer tires, uh, luckily that was it, you know, good thing you'd have the boat with you, honestly. Yeah. You know, that yeah. would just amplify everything. Right. But because I had the equipment, I was able to just, you know, limp up to, I actually still, I, there was no place to get off the road. That's the other thing is there's no, there's no shoulder. There's no turnouts. Yeah. Um, so I literally changed the truck tire and the two tires on the trailer out there. And the you know, I got in a straightaway where people could see me. Um, I got all that. Cha- I was by myself, you know, got it all changed out and back on the road. I was like, Close one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so were you always taking a boat down there or did, what did you start out like taking down there when you finally passed San Felipe? Uh, when I, when I was in college, I got a, my first, and I guess real boat, uh, wasn't really a real boat, but it was a inflatable, um, had the, you know, plywood floor and a little 15 horse, two stroke, uh, engine on the back. And, uh, but I could roll that up. And at the time I had like this you know, little 1986 Nissan truck, you know, four by four, had the little short bed. And, um, so limited for space. And at the time we were, we were diving. So it was, had to bring the scuba tanks and the, you know, you can roll up a little Avalon or Avon and throw in the motor and had, you know, room for other stuff. So, uh, the first boats we started taking down were, were inflatables. Um, and that was, that was a great platform to spearfish off of or scuba yeah. dive off of. And, um, so uh, what, I mean, now it's changed a lot. I mean, when you were first going down to the bay, what did it look like? <laughs> that was, uh, somehow I talked my wife in 1997 when our first daughter was born. She was born in July and somehow I talked her into, hey, I'm going to go down to Baja for a month. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with a couple buddies and we're going to explore it and we're going to find places we can, we can bring the family. You <laughs> Bold know? move, Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how it works out for me. <laughs> so uh, part of that was she was going to fly into Cabo like halfway through. So we would only be separated for a couple of weeks and, you know, grandma was going to watch Taylor and, um, we were going to have this great, you know, time in Cabo and then she'd fly back and be with, be with our daughter and. Uh, but meanwhile, me and a couple of buddies from work, we we're going to, you know, explore the Baja. So, of course, if you've ever planned a Baja trip with other guys, you know, everybody's going to go. There's, oh, yeah. There's <laughs> 10 guys that are in to go. And then it comes to the night before and you're down to two, you know. And so it was my buddy Brian Kroll and I. And well, we, you know, we left with my truck. We had we had the inflatable. Um, my wife had, had gotten everybody to chip in and buy me a uh kayak like a sit on top kayak that i could dive off of we put the scuba tank fit in the back and all that and um so we're just going to go explore and, and brian was a surfer and i grew up surfing yeah so uh, we brought the boards we brought the bikes or the uh, the boats and the kayak and you know all the gear and i think we had a bag of rice and two cans of beans when we crossed <laughs> the border to eat and we were just going to live off the land and it was, you know, looking back, even, I don't have to say looking back, it was one of the most awesome trips, you know, I'd done down there. Yeah. Where it was, you know, I didn't, we, we lived off the land. I mean, honestly, our first stop was Punta Banda, uh, which is just below Ensenada. And uh, we went we went diving and uh, surfing and, you know, we spear a couple of fish for dinner. We had that rice. Uh <laughs> And we, we just kind of worked our way down the coast. And Bay of L.A. wasn't, I hadn't even heard of it. Um, I think it was in a dive magazine or something. There was an article somebody had written. And we get to the to the dirt road cutoff on Highway 1 and thought, well, should we check it out? And said, sure. So we, we, you know, we drove down and this is potholed. You know, it had been paved at one point, but it was almost like a B-52 strike had taken out this road <laughs> over the years. <laughs> You had to crawl down to, you know, super slow to get down there, had to have four wheel drive. And, um, we roll into town and uh, we just happened to catch a little sign that was for Daggett's, uh, Daggett's camp. And it was, it was brand new sign. You know, we drove out to Daggett's. It was just North of the main town, uh, right on the beach. And here was this, you know, turned out to be, became a great friend. You know, Ruben Daggett was a great friend of ours. Yeah. Um, and him and his, his two sons were, were out there clearing the land and they had, they literally had two showers and two toilets and you could rent a, a campsite for, I think it was two bucks a night or something. No way. And, you know, we were right there on the beach and we got there late in the evening. Um, and you know, the, the, the water is, I mean, you look out in the ocean and there's just, there's islands everywhere. You know, and I thought, oh my, I just wanted to get out to those islands. You know, they they looked awesome. We got to get out there and see what's there. And, um, you know, that night we're sitting around the campfire, and you could hear whales. I'm like, what the, what is that? You know, and you hear this, you know, big whale taking a breath. And it sounded so close. You know, we're actually out with our flashlights, thinking we're going to see these <laughs> these whales. You know, and I thought, oh, this is incredible. You know, we put the inflatable in in the morning and and went out and. You know, there were the big fin whales were were everywhere. Really? Yeah. And thought this is you know I I never swam with a whale you know so I got to swim with a whale, and I had my underwater camera which was like a you know an old film camera. Yeah. And jump in the water right in front of these two fin whales coming toward us, and I remember the water visibility was not that good you know maybe 35, 40 feet, 
And I was all ready to take that picture. And then all of a sudden I saw that, that whale came into view and I mean, right in front of me. And it literally scared the living hell out of me. <laughs> I was trying to crawl back up in that boat. It was so big. I went by for it just it, to be so small and insignificant next to that yeah. big of a whale. Um, it was crazy. Um, but so, you know, Brian and I, we spent several days in that, in Bay of LA on that inflatable, just going around and checking out these islands and, and hiking some of the islands and getting a better view. And um, I mean, the fishing was, was going crazy. And, uh, 97 actually was, that was the El Nino of all El Ninos. Mm-hmm. Um, they were actually catching yellowfin tuna off of Guardian Angel Island that summer. Really? Yeah. And it, it hasn't happened since. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there was, um, I mean, the fin whales, it was, you know, whale sharks, which were, you know, whale sharks for a diver. That was back then, that was a unicorn. You know, yeah. they were, they just weren't around. You didn't find them. Um, and there they were, you know, they're in the bay and, and in numbers and, uh, thought, man, this is, this place is heaven, you yeah. know, for a diver or somebody that likes to be, you know, associated with the ocean. It was, it was heaven. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that now, obviously it's changed quite a bit. There's nice hotels, you know, instead of two toilets and, uh, two showers, <laughs> you have, uh, mini split ACs and freezers, you know, it's a little different now. But you still get that same feeling of the insignificant, you know, we, we like to, you know, Howie and I always love to stop at our favorite Island and we hike up the same trail every time. And, you know, the boats are in the cove and you look down and you're just like, man, this is it mm-hmm. right here. You know, it, you know, kind of going back to the same thing, like for us, when we started going down there, we had the, I think we took my 15 whaler down there first and we couldn't get out to the big Island, but our thought process was like, dude, we got to get out to that island. The island, the fishing is so much better out there. Turns out you can have just <laughs> fantastic fishing in the bay and which we did, but that was always, that was a turning point for us. Like, man, we got to get out to that big island and we're going to camp and we're going to, uh, hunt with sticks <laughs> and you know, live off the land. <laughs> we're going to cook a fish over a fire that we make our own. <laughs> But, yeah. So that was, that was the first time that we, in 97 was the first time I, I'd gone into Bay of LA. Um, and we were hooked. I, yeah. you know, I told Brian when we were leaving and, and heading further South, I said, I am bringing, you know, Natalie and Taylor back here. This is, this place is amazing. And, and we continued on. I mean, we spent an entire month down there, um, fishing, diving, surfing, uh, checking out places we'd never seen. I, I really wanted to see, I mean, back then there was still, um, uh, Hammerheads would school at, at the uh, just north of La Paz. There was the uh, El Bajo Seamounts, and mm-hmm. back in the day, uh, hammerhead sharks used to come in there in the fall, and they would school in the thousands. Really? So, so it was there at El Bajo. They did it at Socorro Islands, and then down in the Galapagos. Um, and that was something I really wanted to see. And that year, '97. I mean, they were still there. They weren't in huge numbers. Um, unfortunately, they don't. They, you know, they wiped out the the shark population and they're not, they're yeah. not there anymore. Um, but that was something we got to, we actually got to see, you know, hammerheads there. There was a whale shark there on that. I shot my first yellowfin tuna on that, on that same dive. It was a, just an amazing day on the water where, you know, we did our first dive and, you know, saw the hammerheads it came up and did, uh, you know, your surface interval, you gotta, you gotta wait between dives. So I grabbed my spear gun and there was, I mean, this was that El Nino year and there's 80, 80 hundred pound yellowfin cir- tuna circling our, our boat in the no sea mount. And 
I went down. I, I shot like a 40 pounder. And I'm like, eh, whatever. You know, I wasn't aiming for that one, but that's the one I got. <laughs> so I threw it up on the boat on the ponga and the deckhand kind of laughed at me. He's like, can I use some for, for bait? I said, sure. <laughs> so he just had a hand line, you know, and he's chunking this thing up. And I, you know, I go swim off and there's a couple of Wahoo I'm chasing after. And um, I come back to the boat and he holds up like an 85 pound yellowfin he caught on the hand line <laughs> using my chunk bait. <laughs> yeah. But, but then, you know, people are laughing about it and stuff. And then the, the little chunk line that he had started brought a, a whale shark right to the back of the ponga. Really? And I thought, oh my God, you know, jump in and, you know, you see the, the whale shark there in, in, in nice, real clear water mm-hmm. versus Bay of LA, you're, you know, the visibility is not as good because of the plankton. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, we saw the hammerheads shot my first yellowfin tuna, you know, and then there's a whale shark and uh, it was just, you know. Oh, and I also got my first Kubera snapper on that on that uh, sea mount as well. Coolest fish ever, I think. Uh, yeah. It's like that's a bucket list fish for me. I haven't, yeah. I haven't got one of those, but and the the table fare, it's amazing. The, yeah. Oh, was that spearfishing? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Man. See, I was still spearfishing at this point. I yeah. hadn't I hadn't really even gotten into the fishing part yet. Uh, Natalie got me into that. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that just that sounds like for a young guy, you're just starting a family to be able to go for a month like that. That's life changing. And yeah. especially finding Bay of LA, cause now it's such a big part of your life. And yeah. you know, you raise your kids down there, you know, you guys were always going down there. Um, it kind of grew into all your family trips or a lot of your family trips were going down to Baja and just yeah. kind of how you did with your family growing up, just let the kids run free and, go explore and yeah. pick up rocks and, yeah. whatever, you know, and do whatever. Shells and octopus. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I wanted my, I wanted my kids to be able to experience because obviously I, I had to move inland. You know, I moved out to Corona uh, when I got hired on with the fire department and that was nowhere near the ocean. Yeah. So Baja for me was able to let my daughters, you know, kind of get a taste of what I had with, you know, having free reign on a beach and, you know, they watching mom and dad swim with whale sharks since they were, you know, babies and, you know, fishing themselves. I, I love that picture of Erin. I think she's, you know, three or four years old and she's dragging a yellowtail up onto the beach, you know? <laughs> yeah. I still don't believe there's these ghost crabs. Oh yeah. Every year we do these trips and they're like, oh, Erin be like, oh, come on, let's go find ghost crabs. And I think she would just like think it was funny for us to just be out on the beach at, you know, one o'clock in the morning with flashlights and we never saw anything close to a ghost crab. I, I still think that's a myth. They're there. They're there. <laughs> but my first Baja trip with you, I was probably what? 11 or 12. Probably. I would say 12. And my, remember my parents had to sign a release. Yeah. For the crossing the border. Who's this weird guy? You're going down to yeah, Mexico. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but it, I remember it was me, you and Kamei and then, uh, Taylor and Aaron as well. We went down to San Quentin, towed Natalie Ann down there and fished out of San Quentin. I mean, that's where really I was like, Mexico is the coolest place in the world for fishing and just that whole, like, you know, you're staying in the hotel, the restaurants are good. The food's yeah. amazing. It's just freedom. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what Mexico Sa- is to me. San Quentin a, is a, is a hidden gem. Yeah. You know, and you stay down there. The, I think we stayed away at the old mill Yeah, or Don Eddie's or, you know, but that, yeah, the pier, the restaurant there, it's been there forever and uh, a lot of history. The, the hardest part 
uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we had to hire a guide because mm-hmm. I'd never gone over the bar down there before. You, you're you're putting in the boat like way up, uh, way up in the estuary, and you got to be able to get down, you know, without chopping your prop into all the, uh, the mud and all that. You got to have a local show you uh, show you the way down, and then you got to cross that, you know, the the uh, surf line, yeah, to get out. And that was a whole new experience for me, you know, (laughs) thank God for GPS at that time, it left a trail. So we knew the next day when we went out on our own that, you know, we knew how to do it. Yeah, it was, I mean, those high spots and everything out there, it's, it's a cool place. We, I haven't spent a ton of time fishing there. I mean, just, I'd say a handful of trips there, but it's always, it's always fun. I like that hotel. Remember we, we, when we were towing the boats, we used to take the one, we'd stay at the mission hotel and that was always like the first night mm-hmm. and everybody would go way too hard yeah it was a rough wake up right the next morning was right. tough <laughs> we had to just carry howie into the car a couple times those, those, <laughs> they make a heavy pour the, the margaritas are heavy pour at the mission hotel there but it's cool because you just have so many different options you can go down the one and it's you know it's cold water and right. great fishing down that side too and right different things to see but um you and know. now it's so much easier to to go down the five, you know, yeah. through San Felipe, that was never an option. You know, back when we would go to, when we first started going down, as you crossed in San Diego and, and down through Ensenada, Colonet, you know, San Quentin. It was a two day deal, especially towing boats. Yeah. And it actually got harder and longer as, as the population uh, grew down there where, you know, you used to be able to bomb down in a, in a day if you really pushed it to the bay. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, they started adding traffic lights and you get the, the buses with all the workers to the uh, to the farms down there. And it just became impossible to do in a day. Yeah. So I do like that crossing, though, when you are going through the inland. And is that is that Santa Rosalia um, where the rock, all the granite? Oh, the Cata- you for Catavina. Pops, Catavina. Yeah. yeah. You stop for popsicles. Yeah. yeah that, that place is cool. Yeah. That's like. When people think of Baja, (laughs) yeah, when people think of Baja, they think of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It may only be like a 10 minute drive through where it's like that, but it's, it's cool. (laughs) We like it. Yeah. That's a real, that's a real unique part of Baja that, you know, they've got the couple of palm trees on each end of those, uh, of that hotel area with all the rocks and yeah, just the one hotel out in the middle of nowhere. That is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. With the best taste in ice cream around. Uh huh. <laughs> How would you get three or four of them? <laughs> uh, you know, you had a lot of like filming opportunities and everything that kind of went hand in hand with Baja, even led to a TV show. Yeah. Uh, How did all that get started? Um, well, after that month long trip, you know, of course, I, I was good on my word. I took the wife and kid back to, uh, back to the bay, you know, and by then we bought a fifth wheel. Um, it still had just the Zodiac, just the, you know, inflatable boat. And, uh, I had had, I think we'd bought, when Taylor was born, we bought our first, uh, video camera, you know, like to uh, home video and all that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be in the water, so I got to have an underwater housing for it so I can, you know, take some underwater home videos. (laughs) It's like the size of a five gallon bucket. It was, it was huge. (laughs) But... So we were down, went down to where the whale sharks were and, and shot a bunch of underwater fil- uh, video of the whale sharks, which back then it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't available. People didn't, yeah, you know, it, it, it wasn't seen by much or by many. Uh, there wasn't anybody doing it. Um, so, I mean, that turned into, uh, I mean, uh, somebody saw a copy that I left down there with Ruben at, uh, at Daggett's 
And she was a film producer and she reached out and said, you know, Hey, I'm working on this film on whale sharks from the Philippines. And, uh, you know, can I buy your footage? And so I talked to her and it's like, well, if you, you know, if you had a better camera that it, with this footage, you could make all kinds of money, you know, selling this stuff. So that's all I had to hear. Cha-ching. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, ordered the new cameras, got a new underwater housing and we started, you know, filming the whale sharks down there. Um, and a lot of that footage ended up on Discovery and Animal Planet. And, uh, you know, they would buy bits and pieces of it here and there. It would end up on TV and different shows. And uh, But the more we did that, I mean, both Natalie and I got into the, you know, conservation of the whale sharks. It's like that nobody was protecting these things. And, and actually, they, you know, they would end up dead a lot of times. That fishermen would, kill, would hunt them and kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, in the late 80s and early 90s, it was... Uh, they wiped out the, the shark fishermen wiped out just about every shark in the Sea of Cortez. Um, I, you know, it was all shark fin soup, you know, export stuff, right? Everything going over to Asia. And have you seen that come back at all? Th- thankfully, yes. I mean, that's I'm old enough now to where we're actually seeing I'm seeing uh, uh, the ecosystem recover. Yeah, um, I, I don't like losing fish to sea lions, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I really don't mind losing fish to a shark. I think it's cooler. Yeah. It's way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> and for the life, I mean, when I said we were fishing down there, we never saw sharks. Yeah. You know, crazy. It's like, why, why are we not? There was no sharks. I mean, yeah. there was none. Um, and now in the last five, six, seven, eight years, we're starting to see a lot more. You know, I would be up in that tower, you know, driving around and, you know, the Makos are back and Hammerheads are back and um, there are a lot more sharks. You actually see what we think were yellowtail you know, that had pushed bait into a, into a ball. No, it's all sharks. Oh, wow. You know, so they've, they're really making a comeback in the Sea of Cortez, which is great to see. And one of the coolest experiences, it was on our first trip, me and Howie were on the little whaler and we were like way outside the islands. We're just, you know, <laughs> it's like seven o'clock at night. We'd push it to the absolute limit. Ben would be like, we'd get back and be like, ah, oh, we're about ready to send out a search party looking for <laughs> you guys. You know, he's like, but uh, we came across the pot of orca, mm-hmm. and that was just incredible. You know, it's just me and Howie out there. We're like chasing down these orca, and it was so cool. We chased them so far that on our way back in, we ran out of gas. <laughs> we had to wave view from the beach like a half mile out. And like, what are they doing out there? And you know, someone had to come tow us in. And not everyone was happy about that, but it was <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah, I th- somebody. Had- I read somewhere, somebody, you know, the internet probably read it on the internet, you know, so it must be true. Yeah. It's something about uh, 80% or over 80% of um, the whales in, on on planet Earth at some point or another go into the Sea of Cortez. Really? So, I mean, we've seen, you know, orcas, we've seen blue whales, uh, finback whales, bride's whales, gray whales, humpback whales. I mean, the humpback whales are down there right now. Yeah. Um, the grays are starting to make their way down there. We see uh, sperm whales, you know, swam with sperm whales and wow. uh, false killer whales and pygmy sperm whales. And I mean, you name it, they're, they're there and that, you know, uh, there's so much life in there. There's so yeah. much, there's so much, you know, nutrients and like you're saying, the water, <laughs> equal powers, yeah. um, you know, the water is, is not clean there. It's, it's cold and it's, dirty in color right it's not dirty in like dirt but it, there's so much right oh i think dirty is the wrong word for it, it it's full of life yeah um, that when i was a kid you know we used to watch jacques Cousteau, and jacques Cousteau called you know the, his 
famously called the Sea of Cortez, it's the world's aquarium. Mm-hmm. And the way that sea um, works is, you know, right right off of Bay of LA, between Bay of LA and Guardian Angel Island, uh, yeah. there's a trench that's over 4,000 feet deep. So that causes a lot of upwelling. So you'll get uh, your phytoplankton, zooplankton. They, you know, there's a lot of life in that water, and that's why the visibility is not very good. Yeah, but it's it, that water is alive. So yeah. it's you know, um, and that's the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That that's the the cradle of 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 sea life there. You know, so everything eats plankton and the little fish eat those and the bigger fish eat them and you know on and on up the up the food chain and um so yeah that section of the sea of cortez is still just prolific in sea life and that's one of the main things why i still just love that area of you know of this world you know it's like nothing else well so much though that you ended up building a house down there yeah Tell us about that. How go, did, go figure. I, I remember going down there when it was sticks and... Uh, yeah, you pounded a few nails. Pounded a few nails. I was a little <laughs> busted up, but, we, you know, we, we pounded a few nails. Uh, but it's cool to see, like, you know, you've been going to, with Ruben, um, rest in peace. Yeah. Great guy. I mean, yeah. the coolest guy. He would yeah. come have dinner with us uh, when we were staying at his place, have yeah. dinner with us at the camp. Like, literally just the nicest, most inviting person. Yep. And he loved you. Oh, he loved you. <laughs> he was, he was a mentor to me, you know, for fishing and all that. that yeah. Um, and I, I wanted to do everything I could to kind of promote his, um, his camp and and you know his his charter business as it started to grow and, uh, yeah, we keep, we became great friends and, um, you know, I was trying to explain to him with the the whale sharks, you know, they they'd always seen them, you know, they'd always been there. It was no big deal for them. Yeah. And you know. After seeing a dead one, I thought I told him, "Hey, you know, if you got, if we could get the word out that you've got whale sharks here, like five months out of the year and large numbers of them, that you could get an ecotourism business going here. You could, you know, open this place up to the world. Not that I really wanted to open it up to the world, but sure, um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of upside there for for ecotourism versus just you know killing an odd shark that gets in your way or uh, you know you're hungry that day or whatever. And well, and it is a, I mean. There's not a lot of ways to make money there. The tourism yeah. is the driving force of of that area. Correct. So I mean, they yeah. need it. Right. You know, they need it to right. to keep it up and running. And now it's become really nice. You can go have a fettuccine Alfredo and shrimp uh, <laughs> dinner in town, and you know, the beer is thirty one degrees. <laughs> well, I mean, we spent um, you know with the firefighter schedule. I would work all these extra shifts, you know, for, for other guys during, uh, uh, during the year when, you know, our kids were out of school, they were in a year long or a year round program. So our girls were off May, September and January. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I had no problem working extra shifts in July and August for guys and they would work my shifts in May and September. Uh, so we could do like every year we spent at least five weeks a year down in Baja. Um, and it wasn't always in the Bay, you know, that was one of our favorite places, but we explored almost the entire, uh, Baja Peninsula. And when it came time to, as I started getting older, it's like, I'd love to have a place down here. Yeah. You know, so we started looking, you know, Laredo was a close second, you know, South of Laredo. It was nice. You could fly in. That was, that was the number one thing was you could fly into Laredo. Um, but we just didn't have any, um, it, it didn't have the draw of, of the, of the, uh, people. Mm-hmm. The Bay of LA has always felt welcoming to us. 
uh, I mean, you drop down from the desert, you know, to where you get that first glimpse of the Sea of Cortez and all the islands. And uh, it's still, I mean, it, it, it puts a shiver up my spine every time I see that site. It's like, oh my God, it's just, that's just beautiful. And the road to the base feels so long because you've been on this trip for, <laughs> right. you know, you've been driving for whatever, six, eight hours. And then you finally see it and you're like, everybody comes, we have the handheld radios. Everybody's like, yeah. ah, uh, you know? <laughs> I see blue. I see blue. <laughs> it looks glorious. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, your house came out amazing. It's awesome Thank that you. you have like it's a... It's still a work in, project, work in progress, but... Yeah, but you're a tinker. You, yeah. It'll never be finished with you. You'll yeah. always be adding something. Oh, hey, we're adding a fifth story. Yeah, <laughs> <right. Ben. laughs> But that was, you know, the, I said Laredo was a, was a distant second, you know, but that was a family decision. Like, where where should we get a place, you know? And, you know, as a family, we decided that, you know, Bay of L.A. was, you know, was our our favorite spot. You yeah. Know? There's prettier spots. There, I mean, there are. Um, but there was just something about the Bay that always, that always drew us there. So then it became, okay, well, we need, we want a place on the water, you know, and everything that at least at Daggett's was, was sold out, you know, everything yeah. was sold. And so it was just waiting and, you know, we had an opportunity to come up, geez, about four year, five years ago, four years ago now, um, where, uh, just a lot came available and we jumped on that and I paid the, paid the, uh, property owner or the, uh, yeah, the property owner bought his property and then, uh, continued the lease, you know, with Ruben there at Daggett's and, so tore down what was there and we built what we wanted. And I always love seeing the Baja like shanties, I call them. I don't know yeah. what you call it. It's like a fifth wheel with an extension out the front and then a sun cover on top of the fifth wheel, but that fell over. Right. So, you know, it's just like right. stuff doesn't leave there. Right. Very little things leave right. there, you know. And there's, you know, right or wrong, there's, you know, a lot of Americans will say, well, don't ever uh, invest more than you're willing to walk away from down yeah. there. Um and for the most part, I think that's true. Um, I, I think a lot of it's changing now that, you know, the country's developing. And I mean, I'm seeing a lot less of those uh, shanties and more people coming in and building nice homes. And yeah. um, whether that's for the better or worse, I, you know, I don't, that's time will tell. But um, it's nice to see the change. So, yeah. Um well, moving forward, mm -hmm. you know, we, we fish in Baja all the time. <laughs> you took me on my first offshore trip where my dad said I can go, but I have to wear a life jacket the whole time. Right. So I was <laughs> this. But did you have to wear that knit cap that grandma made you <laughs> the whole time? <laughs> I'm going to post this picture with this episode so you can see this. I'm proud of braces, you know, three jackets on. You mm -hmm. had your SWAT jacket on, a life jacket, a fighting belt. Three you chins. Know, <laughs> a couple chins. <laughs> You mean I can just have all the burritos I want on this boat? <laughs> Are you crazy? But um, yeah, you took me out, and I, I remember I caught a yellowtail on a spinning rod, and it was on the albacore over here. I caught an yeah. albacore trolling, yeah. and that was like that was a big deal for me in my life to you know really say like, man, as soon as I can buy a boat that I can go do this on, I'm putting every dollar I can to do this, you know. Well, whether you realize this or not, you impressed me on that trip because you know I had a couple of my other buddies that were on that boat. They're just you know, sitting in the beanbags, drinking the beer and eating the burritos. And, you know, we hadn't had a strike in an hour and, you know, they, they weren't going to get up and do anything, but you know, there's you, you know, reeling in and switching out lures and, 
hey, the, you know, the blue and white's not working, so I'm going to throw out a Mexican flag. And, and I, I still credit you for catching, you know, getting our numbers up that day because <laughs> you kept switching everything out. If it wasn't working, you'd, you know, you'd be back there changing out our, our troll gear and wham, you get a strike. And so, yeah, I was like, all right, this kid's coming back. You know, he, yes, he wants to fun. be here. He's having fun. So I tried to try to make myself useful. And I think that's a good tip for people that want to get invited back on boats. Make yourself useful. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to reel in the Mad Mac at 9,000 feet behind the boat. But if you just stand up and do it, I'll invite you back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, like I would say 2015 is really when you and I really started. Uh, I would say a little bit earlier than that, but 2015 is when we kind of rolled into the charter stuff and, yeah. you know, really got into that offshore is the perfect timing looking back on it it really was the perfect timing for right. starting that right and i had gotten to a point in my career with the fire service where uh, i was looking for you know so, uh, yeah, side side gig the uh the video stuff had kind of played out we did the we did the filming for discovery and then uh we actually did a series like an eight episode series on baja you know that baja adventures and uh shopped that around a bunch of the networks and uh you know michael folks ended up picking from inside sport fishing, picked up, uh, several episodes and, you know, put them on his show and, uh, they're available on Amazon. Go check them out on Amazon. Yeah. You can yeah see I them saw on. that on Amazon <laughs> prime. Now you can see, <laughs> you can see Natalie and the girls and uh, couple of the, you know, the kids and that fishing down in Baja and, uh, kind of chopped up pieces of it, but yeah, that's it. It's still there, but that, that had kind of played out and, you know, moving forward from there, it's like, okay, well, what's next? And, um, I had been taking, I'd been fishing for so long and had so many people on the boat. I mean, God, we, we'd have to go back to, you know, Natalie got me into fishing. Yeah. I was always spear fishing. And, uh, one of the days she, she threw a feather out, uh, behind our Zodiac and, you know, hooked this big old bull dorado down off laredo and this thing's doing somersaults and jumping out of the, out of the water and the, the, drag on that reel is just screaming and oh my god this is so exciting you know i, I hadn't experienced that before yeah that all right we're gonna get a bigger boat we're gonna get some fishing rods and reels and this is you know, we're gonna we still keep diving and spear fishing but we're gonna you know i i get it you know i get what the draw is for the fishing now yeah and uh so yeah we went and bought uh we went and bought our first boat from well it's west coast marine now right that it used to be allison marine Okay. Um, so we bought a like a twenty one foot center console. Um, my buddy Isaac and I, you know, went in on double. Shout out Isaac. Yeah, big guy. <laughs> uh, went to the fire academy together, and or not, the, we got hired on together, same fire department. Uh, but did probation and all that together, and so bought that boat together and started fishing, and uh, and then that you know it was a great boat for for the Sea Cortez, but you know center consoles, little center consoles here in Southern California are not. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And you're waiting for opening night of lobster season at midnight, you know, to go jump in the water <laughs> in a center console. You're cold and there's yeah. no place to warm up. So that led into, you know, we sold that one, uh, well, four or five years after we bought it. And, you know, Isaac bought a riverboat and then I bought what is now the Natalie Ann and, um, the flagship. 
Yeah. The OG. Yeah. Which was a big boat to tow down to Mexico at the it time. It was the biggest I could get. I wanted I wanted a bigger one, but yeah. that was the biggest boat I could get that uh, still had the eight and a half beam that would allow us to pull it down that Highway 1 yeah. without getting tatered by a semi-truck, <laughs> <laughs> which still was damn close a couple of times. Oh, I've... I've seen it go by because I would always follow you. I've yeah. seen you go by semi trucks and I'm like, oh my, they just kissed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was the biggest we could get for, you know, to still be able to use down a mix. And, um, but so I, you know, I, I was always on the water, you know, I just, again, on it, in it, or, or, you know, under it, I always wanted to be in the ocean. It was, it was, uh, cathartic for me especially to work on the job and uh being able to decompress out on the water that was you know what that's what got me to mellow out you yeah. know to deal with a lot of the crap that you see working you know in the fire service um so you know years and years of taking friends family neighbors you know kids neighbors <laughs> neighbors of kids anybody you, know, you could rally. anybody i could get to throw in some money for the gas you know um but at some point I, I noticed, you know, it was no longer, you know, I had like friends of friends on the boat and they're all chipping in for gas. And it's like, okay, now we're getting close to, you know, you get a ticket for this. You yeah. Know? You're walking the line. A yeah. Little bit. Yeah. So I went and got my, went and got my ticket, did the, you know, I had the boat. I had the hours. That was the easy part, you know, took the class and, um, got my, got my captain's license. And, you know, that was, yeah, right at two, 2015 when that El Nino hit and, you know, grabbed you as a deckhand. And Happy to do it. I worked for free. Yeah, <laughs> I, I literally would work for tips. Yeah. I made $40 and I was pumped. That was in the beginning. Yeah. Well, you yeah. guys were well paid. You were yeah, handsomely we, paid we handsomely toward the paid. end. I was the prince. And then <laughs> brought on Mitch and, yeah. uh, you know, Logan was in there for a while. and Dylan. Yeah, Dylan. I, that kid thought he hit the lottery, I think, when we when we hired him. And, and it was a bummer. Is right at the end we met Dylan because yeah. he was so great. I loved working with him. Yeah, he, his, he reminded me of you. He was a hard worker, um, always you know cleaning the boat, making sure the guests were happy. And yeah, he'll he'll go far if he wants to stay in the industry. He'll he'll do well. I remember my first charter that I ran on my own when I got my license on your boat. You were always like, "Here's the king to the keys to the kingdom. Go for it." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, you know." <laughs> So I tow your boat and trailer down to San Diego. It's probably 2016. Maybe it's right there. Uh, shout out Charles. <laughs> Took Charles out. And it was Charles. my first my first time chartering a boat. Me as the captain. You know, I'm, I'm responsible for everybody. And I got these guys on board and they're like, man, this kid looks young. Wait, you're the captain? You know what I mean? <laughs> you're the, are you sure? <laughs> and uh, we went out and we struggled all day tucked into the islands and ended up just loading the boat with yellowtail. And like, Hey, I talked to him maybe every three months or so he calls me and just, you know, just to talk and stuff. Yeah. And he always talks about that. Truth. Like, I remember walking down the dock and I was like, who's this kid? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's, it was so cool doing that with you and just all the people we met, I would say, let's say 90% of the people were just good people out there to have yeah. a good time and we were able to share that and you know kind of execute that for them and it, yeah. was, it was really fun yeah that was and you know 80 90 percent were return clients and yeah. i don't even want to say client they were like big a lot of those guys became friends yeah you know like you said charles still calling 
Yeah. yeah. He calls me too. He went down to Baja and, uh, back in the fall and was hitting me up, you know, where do I get the shrimp in San Felipe? And where did... <laughs> <laughs> I'd already dialed him in with the, with the guides down there for who to fish with. And yeah, you kind of become their advocate. Like if people fish with the captain and they like them and they get along with them, you kind of become that person's fishing advocate too. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, I mean, if they like you, they don't leave. They'll, right. Even if they're, hey, there may be better fishing on this, give you a better boat here. But people, when they like to fish with somebody, they'll stick with them. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And we built a, I think we built a pretty damn good rapport with our. Oh, yeah, good run, man. You know? Yeah. I mean, with your, your attitude of just, you were great. You were great on the deck. You were great when you, you know, once you got your captain's license. And I remember from my hospital bed, I told you, you know, I'd had that, I had fell off that roof and broke my foot. <laughs> typical ladder, typical yeah. fireman falling yeah. off ladders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. From my hospital bed, I said, you know, if you'd had your license, cause we had to cancel charters, Yeah, you know, say, get your license. You could, you know, you take these guys out and we, you, you know, and what you did. So yeah. I was, I wasn't going to then renege on that and say, no, you can't have the keys to the boat. You know, yeah. here's the keys go. You know, I remember coming back on that San Diego trip. I was so nervous, like towing the bugs. I mean, I got, the, I got the Natalie Ann behind me, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, uh, clipped a tree coming into your neighborhood and just <laughs> dusted the boat with leaves <laughs> and we show up. I didn't even know I hit the tree. But we, you know, you hop in the boat, you're like checking everything out and we go back and there's like a six foot tree branch in the middle of the boat. It's like, my bad. <laughs> so I did have that deck all clean. Now it's covered in leaves and twigs. And <laughs> You know, yeah. 2015, we were fishing like the yellowfin out front and stuff yeah. like Dana Point and it yeah. was awesome, like easy. You know, we had a lot of easy days, you know, the Wahoo, all that stuff. Yeah, that was my first Wahoo that, uh, that I'd caught. It was, was awesome. On Rod and Reel, anyway, was was right in front of uh, Main Beach in, in Laguna. <laughs> so crazy, yeah. On a bass, on a bass rod, <laughs> a little Corrado <laughs> with a with little tiny cold sniper. I still, I still have no idea how. Well, I know how we got really the luckiest lucky. fish in the world. Yeah, yeah. Hit it, hit that little cold sniper and spit it out, and one of those treble hooks just just caught it in its chin. Yeah, <laughs> and it, you know, try as it might, because it had like fifteen pound. I had a fifteen pound leader on it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Wahoo will go through your hand. They'll take your hand off if yeah. you put if you put that in their mouth. And you know, somehow to land that on on fifteen pound on a little Corrado was 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 pretty amazing. So yeah, I was happy with that one. And you were on that. You were yeah, on the I was right there with you. Yeah. I was I was filming the whole thing. I got a bunch of pictures and stuff. When yeah. when we promote the episode, I'll put that up on there. Um, but then we kind of moved into you know we kind of in the winter time it got slow and we still wanted to fish. And then we kind of moved into the lobster thing. And that was right when, you know, Long Beach was going off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember we had done that first trip. I was still in high school when we first started hooping. Yeah. Well, and that was even before 2015. That was, they opened up um, Long Beach, I think, in 12 mm-hmm. to fishing. And Long Beach Harbor had been closed for, I mean, my entire lifetime. The, yeah. the Navy was in there and they weren't letting anybody, you know, back in there to fish. And yeah. um, when it finally got opened up, and I, I want to say it was 2012, uh, May, maybe I think it was 13. 13 because in 2012, we got kicked out that one time. Yeah, well, it Possibly, depended that first, the first year or two was, it depended on who that was on the, on the patrol boat. Some of them knew, some of them did. The patrol boat comes up and you have two five pounders on the outside of the net <laughs> yeah. and they're just looking at you like, what the <laughs> yeah. heck are you doing? Well, and those were the days you could actually use the little, um, you could use a little bait pouch at the bottom of a hoop net. Yeah. Or you and, zip and tie that, in a salmon head yeah, or whatever. Or it was tuna heads. Tuna heads. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, sea lions didn't know anything about it and we were hauling up just monster lobsters there every night every night yeah 
limits. Like, yes. We'd just get limits, and then the next boat would go in, and they'd limit out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that was crazy. It didn't last long. A couple of years later, why that shot out? So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least the big ones. But yeah, so that um, the the lobster stuff with the the uh, hoop netting stuff that actually started after again after I broke my foot was like I, I wasn't real comfortable diving. I can still dive, you know, but kind of corkscrew down to the bottom because one foot was wasn't as strong as the other i always told you we can chop it off and put the flipper on right it almost <laughs> came to that but uh, no so i got into that that hoop netting it's like hey this you know i i would still dive and i remember being out at the island with with you and uh was it mitch no it was howie and he was wearing okay so you're what, 200 pounds howie's <laughs> on a skinny day yeah howie's about 73 pounds right for 30 dollars a month you could sponsor him and he forgot his wetsuit and the first time we went diving catalina we we're yeah. so pumped and he wore your free diving suit yeah. with a broken zipper right and a t-shirt over it i remember looking at his light it looked like a disco because his, his he was just shivering shaking <laughs> Well, I, I do remember like trying to learn the hoop netting stuff over there. You yeah. Know, we kind of cut our teeth out with the hoop nets and we'd have dive, you know, a couple guys diving, a couple guys hooping. And, um, a, a fishery is just so productive, you know? Yeah. Especially the Catalina, you know, being that it's not commercially fish is, right. is awesome for right. us, you know? Yeah. And, you know, MLPAs like them, like them or not, you know, I think they've done a lot to even, you know, save the fishery for, you know, to, it, it's, it's the same every year. At least when I was fishing, it was the same every year. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes you were deeper than others, but it was... I feel like when we first figured out that deep thing, it was really good. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like, I was, I was, you know, I, I don't even know if I had my license then. Um, I was a deckhand and I was like pissed if we weren't limited out by eight nets so I could start stacking this stuff when we can go home. <laughs> I was mad that we were like, if we made it through the first set and there was like, we were like one away, I was like, oh my gosh i just want to go you know well i think that had to do more with the yeah they were still deep they were friggin' stuff full of lobster pulling them by hand pulling them by hand <laughs> yeah and, you know, from 100 feet 100 feet down and yeah and a lot of times the you know the clients couldn't do it or would run out of gas after a couple of pulls I was and buff back then yeah yeah you had forums <laughs> like popeye I, I still remember driving up to your house, your parents' house, and showing you the the pot puller I got for that for Christmas. You were so excited, like, "Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you!" It was all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> but man, I, the hoop netting thing really kind of took over. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we it, were going, we were going hard. Right. Well, and I was, I think I had the, I was. Well, lucky, whatever, but I dove so much over at Catalina as, you know, as a young man and all that, and, and always after lobster and yeah. always looking for new spots. And whether it was on a, a dive boat when I was young or on my own boat when I got a little older, and we are always over there diving and, um, you know, seeing the lobsters underwater and seeing how they live, where they live, you know, how they come out and forage. And uh, I think that played a huge part in our success with the, with the hooping of getting the hoops in the right places and I mean, we just started hooping places I dove. Yeah. You know, those were my dive sites. And, you know. The crack. Yeah. There were plenty of cracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, man, that just took over to where we were in the summertime. Like, yeah, we do a couple trips, maybe one a week, yeah. whatever. But during lobster season, once it kind of got rolling, yeah, it was 
there was days where we or weeks where we do five nights a week. Right. And it was right. you and I back to back driving down to Long Beach together. Right. Right. And you know, and then I started burning you out. I had to get Mitch in there. And, yeah. and then you started burning out and I had to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was to the point where, I mean, honestly, toward the end, um, the business needed to grow. I yeah. mean, we had too many clients. We didn't have enough boats, didn't have enough crew. Um, it, it needed to grow. Yeah. Um, but I was in a part, you know, the trajectory of my life was, you know, I'm retiring from the fire department and I don't want another job. You know, it's time to travel. It's time to, um, you know, get out there and see the world and, and do stuff I haven't done. And, um, so I, I wasn't in a position where I wanted to buy another boat or, you know, be tied to it. Yeah. And, you know, for the longest time I thought you were going to take over it, but you know, I was just telling Natalie last night, it's like, I'm, I'm really glad that you didn't. Yeah. You know, because you've gone, uh, you know, this whole different direction and, you know, look at you now, you know, I'm proud of you here. Thanks, Blue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I still love like the idea of doing it, but when you really go down to do it or whatever, it's a grind. The lobster, it was, yeah. you know, it becomes a grind. It's, it's fun when you're out there, but especially fishing Catalina, those long runs in the yeah. middle of the night, you always have one dark crossing or wind, yeah. or fog, yeah. and you would send me through anything. You're like, you're not canceling. It's like Cabo. It's like a tropical <laughs> storm. I go, it's December. <laughs> it was March. It was during the Fred Hall show. Don't be a big baby. It was 55 <laughs> degrees outside, and it rained the entire time. And I come back, and you guys come back from the booth at the Fred Hall show, all liquored up and feisty, and you're like, ah! I'm just wet to my soul. <laughs> Pointing still, and laughing at I me. still have that picture of you with your head down and your grundins yeah. over the island. It's like the, the caption was uh, morale's at an all time low. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, but it was, it was such a, I mean, I was working at towboat at the time mm-hmm. for part, a portion of that, but you know, just learning, picking up lobster hoops, like spinning around a lobster and stuff. Yeah. You get real familiar driving a boat and yeah. You know, we had our fair share of breakdowns and events that would happen and Not wild, wild clients of like, uh, you know, learned a lot about customer service. Yes. That's one thing that you were very big on was, you know, customer service yeah. and cleanliness. And, you know, this it's important to treat them, treat the client as a friend and, right. you know, hey, they're paying for this as a service that we're offering. Right. And I still carry that with me. Yeah. Um, with whatever I do is, you know, treating people with respect. And, right. Yeah. Who wants to pay a lot of money to go on a boat and get yelled at by a captain or, you know, cranky yeah. deckhands and nobody wants to, you know, share their knowledge or, or anything like, yeah, I wouldn't want to pay for that. <laughs> you know, I think we, with our passion for the ocean, with our, uh, you know, just our work ethic and making, sh- I wanted, I wanted everyone going home with a lot, with a limit, you know, every yeah, night. Oh yeah. That was my, that was my goal, you know, for lobster. It's yeah. like, let's get you out. Let's get you limited out. And, um, that was, that was always the number one goal and have fun doing it. Yeah. But you know, I think, I think we did a really good job and it was, it was hard to leave, you know, to hang it up, but you know, I had to, I, I was, it was time for me to go. Yeah. You know, so now and you know, going back to it, um, it's still, it's, it's fun to think about, but we are done. Yeah, I agree. We were, we were done at the end of it. I was, <laughs> I was done. I was getting married and stuff and it's long nights, you know, you're getting yeah. back home at one, two o'clock in the morning. You're waking up the next day doing it again. Right. Right. But it was 
great times. But it got easier, you know, when we were down there at uh, Rainbow Harbor and boats in the, you know, when we were trailering it back and forth. Oh that, my was God. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> that was wild. Yeah. Remember but, that guy's car battery flew out and hit us driving home yeah. at like one o'clock in the morning? Yeah. We saw some gnarly stuff on, yes. The, yes, on we the freeways. Did. Yeah. Man. But once we were in that slip and it, it was a lot easier. And yeah. I, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. You know, when we were in the slip and doing it, you know, we flew under the radar for about 18 months and, uh, they just didn't re- never really feel comfortable about it. Um, and then you it was know, hard to get the information too, right. To figure out what is actually what we're doing. But right. once we are in rainbow and we, you know, we're all commercial and right. rigged and ready to go. That was great. Cause we could walk up to shenanigans after and try and make last call. That's right. <laughs> Picklebacks for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was the tradition. I got to give a, a shout out to uh Promar, you know, Ben and Steve over there were always good to us. Um, you know, we, we shot a video back when we were doing the Baja adventure stuff in, in Long Beach Harbor. It was actually right when that fishing started there, that lobster hooping. Lobster tacos. Yeah. And I took, it was me and Brent and uh, his lady at the time and um went out and just killed it you know we had that's when we were still putting the tuna heads in the in the bait pouch before the sea lions kind of figured things out in the lay flat rings yeah (laughs) but promar uh they appreciated that video and they reached out to us and they you know they took care of us anything we needed every year we had new gear and you know they would listen we were doing the deep drops on the on the lobster you know for the lobster the the traditional nets just weren't heavy enough you know we were losing a lot or they were walking down the beach and um you know so gave them a little bit of feedback on that and they ended up with heavier nets and um yeah they were all they were were great they were great to us they took care of all of our needs for and any fishing stuff we needed to i remember yeah the sabikis and we were full of everything it was it was nice they they were great to work with for sure i still love people see these sabiki rods that i have down there in mexico and what is that? Oh, it's a Promar Sabiki <laughs> rod. You should get yourself one. These things are awesome. Available online now. Yes. <laughs> so what do you what are you kind of doing now? What's the what's well the in schedule? Uh, 2019? The end of 2019, I, I uh, retired from the fire department after you know like 29 years as a paramedic and a captain, and uh, you know moved on from that. Wrapped up the the charter in. Was it 21 was the last year we ran? Somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, and we hit the road, you know. Uh, we started. I still started building the house down there in Mexico. And um, that once that got to a, a point to where we could live in it, uh, in 2021, we sold the house here in California and uh, business was, was done. And, um, yeah, we took off. We, we bought an RV and we've spent... Uh, the better part of 2022 on just seeing the United States, you know, started in California and worked our way up to the Canadian border and then across the Dakotas. And, um, you know, we, <clears throat> excuse me, we ended up down in, uh, Key West, you know, in the holidays and thought, all right, we've seen, we saw 25, 25 States and I don't know, something like six, seven months. And you guys are gone a long time. Yeah. Watching. Where are they at now? Yeah. <laughs> was, we checking out our beautiful country. I mean, the United States is, there's so many, beautiful places to see um you know traded out my uh my my saltwater gear for a a fly rod and (laughs) natalie and i started you know fly fishing we you know taught ourselves out and uh we started in colorado like uh just fly fishing next to the trailer learning learning how to do the cast and all that and 
you know, we fly fished all through, um, Yellowstone and uh, Montana, and Natalie's catching cutthroat, and I'm catching nothing. And yeah, I heard she is better than you. Yeah, she's Fly a lot fish. better than me. She's <laughs> she was she was catching like ten to one, uh, <laughs> the, you know, fish over me. And I don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> the thought of Ben, you know, when I think of Ben, I think of the guy when I was like twelve. He shot two Dorado one time. Comes up to the service, <laughs> and they got knives in their head and the whole thing. <laughs> And now he's old man withers in a river. <laughs> freaking fly rod is like. Well, that's just part of it. So yeah. it's, you know, so actually there was, well, it was Mitchell was on board that day, but we met, we took out some clients that um, they chartered us because they wanted to fly fish. They wanted to catch calicos on fly rods. Yeah. And you can't do that on a, you know, sport boat. You can't do that casting. Um, so I, I watched them all day, you know, and learned a lot watching them. I thought, okay, I, I, I guess I get it, you know, and, um, you know, it's so cliche, but that tug is the drug, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're in a standing in a river in Montana or if you're, you know, on a, on a sport boat here in Southern California, that when that fish hits your line, I mean, that's a, you know, that's it. yeah, yeah. It, it's a great feeling. Um, so no, yeah, we did, um, like 2022, we traveled, uh, the States and then last year we did, oh, five different countries. Um, it's St. Bart's and. Uh, that looked fun. Yeah. And we, I always wanted to see Pompeii. So we went to Pompeii. Uh, Natalie wanted to see the Amalfi Coast. So that we were there in southern Italy for a while. Um, went over to Greece, did Athens, and then jumped on a boat and went and saw the islands and Santorini and Mykonos and um, did a dive on a old World War II plane off Turkey and Bodrum, Turkey. And No way. Yeah. Um, it's cool that your passion for photography and video has kind of carried into what when all your travel stuff because now you're just making these little reels, yeah. And you can see like, oh, they went hiking today, or right. you know what I mean? Oh, they're here, right? That's cool. Well, and that all goes back to honestly to high school. You know, I had a an oceanography teacher. You know, Breck Breck Nichols, man, you're you're an amazing teacher, and he inspired me. I, I lived on the ocean, but I didn't really know about the ocean. And yeah. he inspired me to learn about the ocean and everything you know that lives in it. And you know, at the same time, my I had a photography class, and I love photography. You know, and it, it took some even through college, took marine biology and and photography and. Um, here I am, what, 30 plus years later and kind of combine the two, um, to kind of document and show, I always want to share, you know, the ocean and, and it's creatures and inhabitants with, with everybody. And so it's, you know, something I enjoy doing. Yeah. I mean, rolls right in the charter. We were sharing the fishing experience yeah. with people and yeah. yeah, they got to see it. And the kind of the social media thing was we would always post some pictures and videos and, you know, I, I, I'd be posting a story or something from Catalina Island and my phone would start ringing. I need, you know, somebody wanted to book a charter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was literally that fast. It was like in real time and, you know, help, help grow the business. And, and now, um, we just bought this last summer, we came back from Europe and we bought a place up in, in Utah, in, uh, Northeast Utah. We're kind of right between Sundance and park city. And that'll be our little summer, summer and hall and fall hideaway. And then, um, uh, we just left there, last weekend and passing through California now on our way down to Baja for the, for the rest of the season. Well, until probably July. Yeah. And then we'll head North. We're going to come down probably the second week of July and, uh, maybe we can catch up with you. I'm going to bring my gear. I'm going to have some of the captains, um, 
that speak English very well down there. Some of the Ponga captains, I've been talking with them and they want to do a podcast. So it's oh, nice. really cool. Nice. Um, but we're going to come down there and maybe we can check back in with you and just see how the fishing was and uh, kind of what you've been up to. It's not was. It's always it's always catching down there. It's Drew. shocking how good it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm all excited to get down there and do the deep drop for the snowy grouper this winter. You know? Yeah. I got one last year. You know, so it's a huge learning curve trying to trying to teach yourself how to do this. And, and they're still learning too down there. I mean, yeah. that's, they've been doing it a long time, but I feel like the last year and a half or so is really when they started to, you know, tap into that fishery. Yeah. Yeah. So fingers crossed we get some bigger snowy grouper this year. Sounds but, good. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I just want to say thank you for everything you've done for me for progressing where I've, you know, the, the places you've taken me and taken me under your wing and taught me things and well this goes right back to you you know thank you i mean you're you're you know that you you made natalie Ann sport fishing what it was you know it was your hard work and and dedication to the job and teaching the other uh deck hands coming up you know what what you wanted what i wanted and yeah, i couldn't have done it without you so and shout out to you to you know the kind of the whole crew we still run with mark oh Camay, yeah mark Camay, mark martinez Kenny Conyer, uh, the whole Baja gang, Brian and Isaac, and uh, yeah. we need to do another big Baja trip with everybody. It's just it's too much fun to not yeah do that every once in a while, you know. It's yeah, it's weird for me because it's no longer Baja trips. I mean, I live there. Yeah, so <laughs> come on down to the house. You know, yeah, I got exactly. room. The boat's there. The gear's there. Yeah, and if you see Ben down there in Baja, tell him and uh, tell him you heard him on the podcast. He'll buy you a beer. Yeah. <laughs> I'll donate that for you. He'll buy you around. Take your fish in something. Yeah. <laughs> All righty, guys. Well, thank you very much. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, like and subscribe. Oh, we're on Apple. We're on Spotify. Check us out on Instagram. And um, we got a YouTube page up and rolling. So thank you, guys. And we'll see you on the next one.